Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back to 4 o'clock. Shamari Block, Dan of Owen, Cyrus Sanchez joins us now from Locked on Dubs in the Rick Berry house. Cyrus, what's going on with you this afternoon? Thanks for spending part of the day with us. It is always a pleasure, Dan. Shamari, great to talk to you. How are you gentlemen doing? It's a beautiful day. Well, we just went like toe-to-toe on Jimmy Garoppolo was a bum, and I had Jimmy Garoppolo's back, and Shamari was just absolutely pounding me, throwing right crosses. And I've been defending this Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm almost happy that Jimmy's going to get out of town, man, because I've been taking it on the chin for about two years now. Any thoughts on on, on Jimmy G? Are you a Jimmy G guy or are you Trey Lance? Oh, Trey Lance all the way. At this point, you got to go with Trey, right? <laughs> Here we go. All right, hey, let's let's talk a little Golden State Warriors. And, and before we get into KD trade talk, uh, okay. Summer League, your thoughts on James Weissman? Of course, we haven't seen the guy in, in nearly two years. What do you think of the big kid? I'm mixed bag. I, I, you know, it's on one hand, it's we expected rust. Um, you know, he played but a few games last year in those for those random games uh, for the G League, and then, you know, we, we saw him as rookie year. So it, the rust was expected, but um, on one hand, I mean, you saw his dominant force. He's, he's a huge human being. He's going to be the first uh, real true center the Warriors have had in, in a while because, you know, their only real center of the last two years has been Kevon Looney. And, um, look, he's done, Looney's done a tremendous job. I've nothing but love for him. But, I mean, he's 6'9", and he doesn't really fit the bill of a true big, and, and Wiseman does. This is a seven-footer who uh, weighs somewhere around 280. You know, he's, a, he's a menacing force in the paint. Um, you saw some of those monster dunks. Um, what I particularly love about Wiseman, though, um, is two things. One is his athleticism. He covers the court from one end to the other with such speed. He's such grace. Um, like, like, he takes his really long strides when he when he runs and he covers the court just super quick so on fast breaks and when they're pushing the ball um there's a value there with him and then the other thing is his shooting stroke is really nice i, I think that's one of the things that's really underrated about his skill set is the fact that he can come in and and be a threat from the three-point line so he does space the floor for you he's got a really nice shooting stroke um and he gets a bit we didn't see much in summer. I'm really much more curious for the preseason training camp and uh, for the regular season because as of right now, he's going to be seeing a lot of minutes. So I'm really excited for that. Hey, Cyrus. So he missed most of the last two seasons. He played 39 games in season one. He played zero in season two. But he was around a team that went all the way to the mountaintop and won a championship. Mm-hmm. How much do you think he could have learned in the past 18 months sitting and watching? And how long do you expect him to take just till he gets to competent NBA player? I think, I think that the value uh, of sitting there while the team went through a cha- world championship run was invaluable. I think that applies to all the youngsters. Um, just because even though Wiseman wasn't playing, um, 
You know, I mean, Kaminga and Moody, for example, I mean, they weren't playing heavy minutes in the postseason, but even those those little clips that they came in and, and just being in that environment. That, I mean, the postseason, as you guys know, is just it's stressful. It's very different from, from the regular season. I mean, every possession counts. You're feeling the pressure of the moment like, like no other situation. Um, and even though, again, Wiseman wasn't on the court, I do think uh, he seems like a smart enough kid to absorb the lessons that are needed to be, uh, you know, taken in, in in moments like that. So I do think there's value there. You know, you've heard Myers and Kerr reference that as well, that it's a huge reason why they're putting so much faith in these youngsters. And I do think that if this is the roster that we see next year, um, a huge reason for the Warriors deciding to put faith in them now versus, say, a year or two from now is because of that World Championship run. It does provide invaluable experience. Um and I, I personally think, I mean, we're all guessing here. My personal opinion is I think there's going to be a learning curve, clearly. Like, we're going to see him play uh, a lot. I think we're going to see him play realistically 25 minutes a night. Um, and, and I hope what we see from each game is improvement. Um, the, the biggest thing is going to be consistency um, and him staying out of foul trouble. That's always been his biggest problem is staying on the court, um, not committing stupid fouls. And if he can do that, um, I think by the end of next season, I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, there's no way to predict this, but I'm excited. I mean, I, again, every single former player, every exec, every coach I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot of them about Wiseman, it is not, I haven't heard one dissenting opinion when it comes to his talent. It's, they're all universally excited. Um, and so I'm taking their opinion strongly in that regard. So I'm excited to see what, what Wiseman's potential is. Um, but, you know, until we see it, it's hard to really be super excited. But I'm confident. I'm optimistic about it. Sorry, Sanchez is our guest. Let's just stay with Wiseman for a few more moments here. And yeah. I'm not sure if he's wor- – I'm assuming he's working with – is it Dejan Milojevic, the, the, obviously the former tutor for that, of Jokic. Yeah. And I think they call him Deki. And for, to make my life easier, that's his name from this point going forward. Good so Deki, <laughs> Deki working on – obviously had an impact. Yvonne Looney has shouted him out. And – he is, uh, he's worth his, his weight in gold. And so where I'm going with this, I know that today's NBA, that you stretch the five and you got to dress the three-point line, but I would love to see at least a level of, of balance. Now, I know it's not 1995, but just <laughs> having some go-to moves from the pivot, from the post. I've talked about the jump hook, and people give me a hard time and say, Dan, go watch Hoosiers. That's not the real world. But <laughs> just to have some sort of something in your bag that can get him going, whether it's you know a jump hook, a little turnaround, yeah. Jimmy for five or six feet, is that something that yeah. could be introduced to his overall package game? I hope so, because that's one of the things that caused concern for me watching him in the summer league is he was breaking a lot of short-range jumpers. I mean, there were like five-footers, ten-footers he was putting up that were not going in. I hope that's just rust. Um, I personally, look, and, and talking about these old-school moves that are incredibly effective, I do not understand why more players don't implement the skyhook. It, it's baffling to me because it's one of the most high-percentage shots any player could add to the repertoire, similar to Rick Barry's underhanded free throws. I mean, mm-hmm. people just for some, players for some reason really care about the aesthetics um, over the efficiency of it. Uh, so I haven't seen like a jump hook from Wiseman. I haven't, I haven't heard anything like that added, but I do know there's been a lot of work on his post-up game on, you know, backing down defenders just because he's so big. Um, but we didn't see much of that in, in the summer league games. And I'm, I'm totally with you, Dan. I really do hope he works on that part of his game because, um, that's the easiest way to score in this game and, and scoring is the bottom line. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm with you. I, do, I don't believe that. 
you should just rely on spacing and three point shots. I mean, the, the, the you know scoring in the post, scoring high percentage shots, you know, being within five feet of the rim is important. And if Wiseman can can add that to his repertoire, I would be so excited, and I think it would go a long way towards success. But we haven't seen anything yet in terms of whether or not he has added that skill set. I just hope he does. Sarah, when I was growing up, man, there was always two sorts of athletes. One that liked contact and others that sort of stayed away from it. I can't necessarily pigeonhole him right now, but there are times when I see him catch it deep. And sometimes you see those guys take that power dribble and even initiate the contact, right? Like lower that shoulder and initiate contact, clear some space. How do you assess that part of his game right now? Do you see him as a guy that that does not like that sort of play and, and sort of stays away from contact at this juncture? I haven't seen that yet. Um, it's just, it's so hard to judge him just because, like, we've really been shielded from his true potential in his game in the sense that we just, he hasn't played real meaningful minutes much in his career. I will say this, like, when in his rookie campaign, he did, and, and a lot of people have been bringing this up, he did put, put up solid stats. Like, he was averaging nearly 12 a game. He was averaging close to six rebounds a game in very limited minutes. I think it was in, in about 20 minutes per game. People are focusing largely on his plus-minus and his, his, his effect on the court when he played, and it didn't result in wins necessarily. But toward the end of his rookie campaign, before he got injured and was out for the rest of the year, we saw him starting to figure it out. Um, and that includes the physical play you're alluding to, where instead of like you know trying to avoid contact, you embrace it. I did not see any fear in his game, if, if that's what you're alluding to. Like I think he does embrace the contact. Um, he's, he's someone, and I think a huge reason why he was the number two pick is because he is someone who likes, um, playing bully ball in the paint. I, I've, I've seen that myself. I've heard it. I've read it on the scouting reports. So that part of it, I'm not concerned about. I'm not concerned about him shying away from the contact because you're right. A lot of players actually don't like that. Um, so no, this is a big physical specimen who I think will try to impose his will in the paint. And, um, let's just hope it's successful. So uh, to stay on Wiseman, uh, I don't want to just, you know, just flood you with Wiseman questions, but but Wiseman has definitely been eating his Wheaties, which ironically is a reference that he probably wouldn't get. Um, But uh, what do you think about that new muscle mass? And how do you think that's going to help him go to the next or just any level right in the NBA? Yeah, I I think, again, going off what Dan was just alluding to about the the physicality of his play, um, that's clearly going to be a big part of it because there were plays in the summer league, for example, where people are just bouncing off him. He's a big physical boy. He, he knows it. My concern always with Biggs adding weight is, is the, the added weight also causes stress to your lower extremities. I mean, this is a guy who had you know his meniscus torn and it cost him a year of his career. And I, I, you know, we saw what happened with Anthony Davis. That totally backfired on him. He's actually a better player being lean. Um, so, but Wiseman's also so young that I don't think this is some drastic change. I think this is just part of him growing into a full adult, and part of that is putting on all this muscle. He is, I mean, he's physically he's insanely gifted. I mean, I'm not stating anything obvious. He's a big boy. Um, his, his metabolism is second to none from what I've heard. Like he just burns fats and, and just adds muscle. He's just got one of these freakishly, you know, gifted genetic qualities in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, I think as long as like, it doesn't hurt his legs in terms of injuries, because that is what added weight, that is the negative of that. Clearly. Um, I think that's going to be a huge positive because people are just going to bounce off him, you know, and, and added strength, you know, just to shift gears. Like that's a huge reason why I think Steph Curry kind of really evolved and really took that final step. We heard Draymond Green talking about that. That's an example of a huge positive 
when players add strength. Like, Steph can now just drive into the paint, and people bounce off him, and his defensive game is a lot stronger. Um, and, yeah, so wise, for Wiseman, as long as it doesn't hurt his legs, dude, yeah, that's a good, that's a positive. That's a huge thing. Sorry, Sacha is our guest. Sorry, you know, the last time we talked, you had a high level of concern that the Warriors had obviously lost Porter, lost GP2, Bielitz out the door, and we're going to be so reliant on on the kids, J.K. and Moody and, and Weissman. Now that you've seen them in Summer League, did that sort of reinforce your thinking, or where are you at uh, a couple of weeks removed from the departure of GP2? The concern is is as lessened. Um, like, I'm not as worried. It was very encouraging. Like, Moody looks NBA-ready. Like, when we hear all these, like, trade talks, I'm starting to really second-guess myself because originally I, I just thought Kaminga should have been the untouchable player in all this and all these trade rumors. But now, I'm, the more I see Moody, I'm, I'm really, like, rethinking this. Moody, to me, is, is going to be ready to put in 30 minutes a game if they want him and need him for that, which a lot of nights they will because you don't, you don't want to really... Uh, use up all the energy of your veterans uh, who are all in their 30s. Some of them push into their mid-30s. Um, so Moody is a gem. Like, I'm really excited about him. His game is complete. He can hit threes. We saw some really impressive plays where he, he was penetrating the paint and 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 throwing in, like, you know, fingertip-style uh, layups. And, I mean, he's he's a real deal. He can play defense. Kaminga was really encouraged because he had that first game, which was an egg. And even Draymond Green on his podcast alluded to uh, criticizing Kaminga for that, um, both privately and obviously on his show. Kaminga himself beat himself up for that first performance. And the fact that he rebounded and had two stellar performances after that um, was really encouraging. I'm, I'm, I'm less worried now. I mean, losing GG2 hurt. And I and I'm still am going to say to the end that it 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 definitely reduced their chances of repeating as world championships as world champions. I don't see how losing GP two helped in any regard. Um, but with that said, I do have way more faith in these youngsters. Um, Di Vincenzo, the more I'm hearing about him, the more comfortable I'm feeling about that addition. Um, I don't think you can replace GP two. I don't like the idea of him being called a role player just because the Warriors bench is so different from most other teams. This is a, The Warriors are a team that their bench ca- carries just so much value. They rely on that depth. They relied on it in the postseason for that championship run, 10, 11, 12 deep oftentimes, whereas most teams just have like seven, eight-man rotations in the postseason. The Warriors are pushing 9, 10. So I don't like the, the, this reference of him as just a role player. I, I think he provided a lot more than that. Um, but the more I see these youngsters, the more I'm, I'm understanding why the Warriors are ready to roll with them and and uh, and rely on them for, for a repeat championship run. Yeah, it's called strength in numbers, and it's it's a better way to play basketball. It's it's also a better slogan than gold blooded, but you know we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> everyone, yeah, every- no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right? <laughs> everyone wants Kevin Durant back. Well, not everyone. People with no. sense don't. Um, but can you see a scenario where you lose a guy like Wiggins, for instance? And a guy like Poole, and then you add KD. Is does it is that team actually better than yeah. the one with keeping those two really good players around? Hundred percent, yes. I, 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 it's shocking to me. First of all, it is weird that this this whole KD thing has has created like a full on fissure in the Dub Nation space time continuum. Man, like there is a divide uh, in Dub Nation about whether or not they want it back. The price is obviously key to this. I do think a hundred percent they're better. I mean, Kevin Durant is still at the peak of his powers. I mean, I don't know what he's going to be like two, three years from now, but he's still one of the best players in the NBA. I do not, I would not have any regrets trading for him if it meant 
losing Wiggins and Poole and Wiseman. I feel like those are the three players that I think it goes without saying they're gone if this trade occurs. Um, so, no, I do not think that. And, and the bottom line is, and this is the part where I get, I'm getting a lot of pushback, and, again, I did not think that this many people will be against a trade like this. I understand it just because Wiggins is 27. Uh, you know, Poole's only, what, 22 or 23. Um, but at the same time, Lakeup was just on a podcast publicly stating a week ago, and he wasn't shy about this. And he went into great detail that he envisions a lot of difficulties re-signing both Wiggins and Poole to max contract extensions. Part of what's making this very complicated is the fact that Jordan Poole, he sees himself in terms of his value as a max guy. He's not going to take a, a local discount. That's just not going to happen. So if you want Jordan Poole back, you're realistically, realistically going to have to offer him an extension somewhere in the 30-plus million a year range. That's the only way that's going to happen. And they're balking at that because if they do that, you're seeing a scenario for the Warriors where you have five players making 30 million plus a year, provided Draymond Green's extension uh, increases. I don't know how that's going to play out, but so so Lakeup has just been very straightforward with that and said, "Look, I don't know if we could do this. I don't know if we can afford to pay five guys that level of money. That doesn't include Looney's new contract. That doesn't include the fact that Wiseman is scheduled to make 12 million next year. Um, you know, you're facing a decision with him." So that's a huge reason why I do think there is a very strong possibility of this Durant trade happening because you're you're ultimately going to be giving up two big deals in Wiggins and and Poole plus a contract that is fairly large. I think it's much larger than the Warriors are comfortable spending in James Wiseman unless he totally just blows everyone off the face of the earth this this season. Um, And you're getting back Kevin Durant in a a guaranteed four-year deal, which Lakeup loves because Lakeup wanted Durant long-term to begin with. Everyone forgets that uh, he retired his number after just three years with the Warriors. Um, He loves him. He loves Durant. He wants Durant back. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is, would you rather have one more year of Wiggins and Poole and then potentially lose one or both of them? Or would you rather give up both now but then have Durant for the next four years? And in my opinion, if you make that trade and you don't mortgage the whole future, what I mean by that is Kaminga and Moody being included, um, or at least one of them, you know, I think the Warriors are going to three-peat. I'm already looking ahead to next year. I see a three-peat. It's the only thing <laughs> the dynasty has not accomplished yet. And if that trade happens and they don't have to give up the Kaminga-Moody part of it, I, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. And, yeah, I do think they will, they will repeat as champions easily, and I can see them also three-peating. So that's my take on it. Cyrus, well... You know your KD take had Shamari. I like. I had to. I had to give him the Heimlich maneuver over here. All right, Shamari. <laughs> He's literally choking over here. <laughs> so let's. How about from? Because uh, yeah, a, a lot of this is sort of beyond conjecture because there are reports out there. But what do we know? Yeah. What can we tell in terms of Steph, Draymond, Clay, the core? Although Clay, I think Clay's on his boat somewhere. I don't know if he really gives a rip. But have they? What is the level of reaching out to KD and trying to recruit him? All back in the day in the Hampton Five. What we know from reports, and this is not speculation, what we know from reports, and there have been quite a few, and it's, and it's important to note, too, that there are no reports from any other team in the NBA pertaining to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, when he first made the trade request, uh, reportedly said he wants to go to two teams, either Phoenix or the Miami Heat. Phoenix is now out. Okay, Consider them out of the running because DeAndre Aiden got re-signed, and the only other player that the Nets would uh, make that trade for um, is Devin Booker, and the Suns are never giving him up. So the, the Suns are dead in this deal unless this trade happens a year from now. And even then, 
DeAndre Aiden would have to agree to that trade. He has veto power now, which is crazy. So the, the, the Heat don't have a lot to offer because if they give up what the, the Nets really want, then Kevin Durant's going to a team that has no chance of world championship aspirations. So you're just going to get a player that's going to be unhappy there. Um, and again, with every other team, there are zero reports of any form of discussions, of proposals, of players. I hear the Raptors, but even then, like, you know, the, the Nets want Scotty Barnes, and that's not happening. So I just, I'm just looking at what the reports are stating, which is that uh, uh, Durant and Stephen Curry have spoken to each other. Okay, this has been reported. Uh, what's been reported is that Stephen Curry would welcome Kevin Durant. He's not advocating for it like 2016, but he would welcome it. And they've spoken. Kevin Durant has been reportedly uh, has reportedly said that he's fine with coming back to the Warriors. That the idea is actually something he's he's born to. Um, so there's no issue there in terms of him being unhappy, which is obviously a variable you got to take into consideration. Draymond Green has been publicly stating on Twitter. Uh, he hasn't come out and said he wants Katie, but he's suddenly defending him and vouching for him, um, speaking like he's his teammate again uh, on publicly on Twitter. Um, and then there's the fact that that uh, the Warriors have reached out to the Nets, or at least they've had contact with the Nets more than once. So they have had more than one discussion, meaning interpersonal communication with the Brooklyn Nets about this trade. My guess is is that the Nets want the world because that report has also come out that they reached out to the Timberwolves. And they asked for Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and four first-round picks. That has never happened. <laughs> so my guess is that the Warriors are sitting there. They're probably this is, again. This is just from you know. I, I'm, this is what how I see this happening right now is that the Warriors are sitting there. They're waiting for the Nets to come down from whatever cloud they're floating on, thinking they can get that kind of crazy package for Durant. And once they come to Earth. The Warriors are probably going to approach them and say, "Are you ready to make a deal now?" Because you're not going to find anything else out there. And then the Nets are going to have to face reality. Either we stick with KD, and we have an unhappy player who's probably going to play for us, but they're not going to win a championship with that roster. They might they'll make the playoffs, but they're not going to win a championship. I guarantee that. And and I think that I think that trade's going to happen ultimately because again, I, I Lakeup and company do not want to give those two huge deals to both Wiggins and Poole. And he loves KD, rightfully so. He has a chance to have KD retire as a warrior. Um, and so that, I'm just reading the tea leaves from that. That's, that's, that's all the reports that have come out. And there just hasn't been anything to indicate it isn't going to happen, if that makes sense. Um, so that's where we're at. And I'm not advocating for it. I honestly am very happy with the youngsters. If they can keep Wiggins and Poole, I'm, I, I'm happy with the, how things are now. But if the reality is you're going to lose either Wiggins or Poole a year from now, um, then I say make this trade because Durant guarantees you, or as close to that as possible, will guarantee you a world championship this year and again, I think a three-peat. And then who knows from there? Does Kevin Durant actually have any leverage against the, against the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, outside of him having like pictures of the owner in a compromised position, like does he have <laughs> leverage to actually force his way? I mean, I know they're going to oblige him, but but, uh -huh. but does he have any leverage? If they just said, all right, well, no. you know, yeah. No, he doesn't. And 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 it's the whole thing is weird because we're in this player empowerment era. We've been in it for almost 10 years now. And, and it's gone to the point where if a player, despite being in a four-year guaranteed deal, expresses, uh, you know, uh, a lack of, of contentment that the team will move them. But you're absolutely right, Mari. The, the, the Brooklyn Nets um, have all the power. And, you know, they, they could easily just tell, tell Durant, we don't want to trade you. And 
Durant's the type of guy I think you, you two would agree that he's not going to just sit out. He'll probably play. But then the question is, do you really want an unhappy Kevin Durant? Um, I don't see him pulling like a James Harden where he's faking injuries and putting on weight and stuff. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. Brooklyn has all the leverage. But, again, again they're gonna, Brooklyn's going to look at the map. They're going to see what other teams are offering. And the Warriors will have easily. I don't think it's even close. Outside of the New Orleans Pelicans, but I don't know if the, I don't know if the, the Pelicans want to make a deal. I don't know if Durant wants to go there. So I just see the Warriors as like just the clear cut fit. You know, it just seems to make sense. And now it's just a waiting game, <laughs> which is a very annoying, frustrating waiting game because there is nothing else going on in the NBA while, while everyone's waiting for KD in the net. But um, I, I, that's that's why I think ultimately he's going to be traded to the Warriors. Hey, Cyrus, really, really quickly, if you are the Nets and you just want to send the bird to Kevin Durant, like, you know, uh, in a way. Oklahoma. Wait, are you sending him to the Kings or to the Pistons? Oklahoma. Oh, oh, or the Thunder. Yeah, Ah! I would say Thunder. I would say Thunder all the way because they burn bridges. I mean, like, Durant's not forgetting all those jerseys being burned or all the messages that the team themselves sent out when he first bailed on them. I would say Oklahoma City, absolutely, because they're and they're so young. Even though they don't have like that stench that the Kings have, no offense to the Kings fan base, um, but that is just an awful organization for a lot of years. Um, yeah, I would say, and even the Pistons. I mean, the Pistons have Kate Cunningham. They're starting to put some things together there. They had a great draft this year. Uh, lucked out a little bit. So I, yeah, I would say that I, would, I agree. The Thunder. I think if, if if you want, if you believe in that that Durant deserves that level of karma, yes, <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. Sorry, has got to get to a break, man, but we enjoyed it. Strong as always. Let's catch up soon. Thank you. Love you guys. That is the one and only. My man, Cyrus Sanchez. Got to get to a break. We conclude the show. Shamari Block, Dan Avona, 95.7 The Game, right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.